0: Good morning. Morning. Good morning. The music make you want to just jam and start doing something. Yeah. Uh, well welcome. I am Joseph Aiken for those who may not know me, one of the pastors here on staff, and we are in a series called God's Design for Sex, Singleness, and Serious Relationships. Real quick, funny story. Has nothing to do probably with what we're going to, but from the street there's a poster, if you've seen in the window. It says, God's designed for sex, singleness, and serious relationships. The only thing you see from the street is sex, <laughs> right? And so I saw a couple kind of pull around and read the sign up on the church. Like, what is this church doing? What kind of <laughs> church is this? <laughs> no, but it is. We, we're talking about the hard things. And so the first week, we, we talked about singleness and God's designed for singles and with where you're at. And then the next week, this past week, Chris talked to us about the strings being attached to sex, there are strings attached. And so this week, we get to tackle serious relationships. Those of you who are seriously dating, engaged, married, this is all for you. If you plan on one day being married, this is for you. Amen? Amen. So for those of you who are online, happy Valentine's Day to you all. This is Sierra and I's 16th Valentine. So if you're online, I want to hear how many Valentines you've been with your significant other. You can yell it out real quick if you're in here. How many... 10 valentines for you. Just yell it. Two. Ah, yes. So I got y'all all all beat so far, Um, which is good. So remember, reminder, if it's your first time, please feel free to text in uh, any questions that you may have, comments, concerns. If God speaks to your heart, we want to hear it. If he gives you a word, go ahead and text it there too. But we will answer the questions in uh, the podcast this week. I was talking to Chris earlier this morning and maybe he, he, and our spouses—we can come together on one podcast and talk through some of these topics. Uh, all right. Well, whew, relationships. Where do we start? <laughs> Serious relationships. This would be good because this is a popular text brought up in marriages in Ephesians chapter five, and so you can go search there while I give you a story. My wife and I have been married. I said it sixteen years. Well, fifteen years. This would be sixteen coming up. And you'd be surprised, especially those first few years, some of the things you argue about uh, with your spouse. For us, it was the toilet seat going up and down. We had that argument. Um, I grew up in a house full of boys. I have three younger brothers, single parent home. We didn't share a bathroom with my mother. So toilet seat up and down didn't matter. You did what you had to do. My wife grew up in a house full of girls. She has five sisters. Her oldest brother is the oldest, so they weren't there. So for them, toilet seat down, you know, their thing. And so when we came and we began to clash heads, she said, hey, babe, it was very nice when she said it. And I I would think that it was very nice when she said it. She said, can you put the toilet seat down whenever you finish? In my mind, I was like, why is this woman attacking me? (laughs) And I said, well, can you put the toilet seat up when you finish? I was like, what's the difference? She was like, and we begin to get in this tussle about a toilet seat. All four seconds, three seconds of me going from here to here for my wife. And it's this tension. You think, well, what? And then from that, my my leadership was challenged. She thought I didn't care for her because I didn't put the toilet seat down. And it becomes this big old argument that didn't have to be a big old argument, because I, if I just would have took the three seconds to do that. And a lot of y'all are laughing at me, but we all have those kind of conversations with our significant others. Those those battles, and it may be toilet, maybe finances, maybe something else. But something that was small or could have stayed small turned to something that was real big. For those of you who are new to the marriage game, or one day we'll be married, conversations will happen. And the goal for today is for us to tackle, like, God, what is my purpose and my design in marriage? What am I supposed to do? And so we wrestle with a few things. We wrestle with God's design for a serious relationship. One, because we don't want to be anyone's doormat. Right? For my wife, I'm not going to allow my husband to walk over me. I'm not going to be used. I don't want to be an object that is seen as a babysitter or a cook, a cleaner. Not going to happen. And so we resist God's design because of the picture that has been painted of what uh, marriage looks like. Another reason we resist God's design for serious relationships are because we want to be number one. We take care of me. For me, my wife's purpose, when I first got married, I was young. The purpose of me being with her, you compliment me, you make me look good kind of thing. You know, you can stay back there a little bit. And I didn't know. I didn't have a picture of what marriage should look like. I grew up in a broken home. All the marriages around were broken, even if they were together still. So I didn't know what it looked like. And so I treated my wife more like a daughter than a wife. I did. I really did. And lastly, one of the things we'll talk about is we allow cultures designed for, for marriages so much easier than God's design. It's easy to be mad at my spouse and then say, "Ah, I don't want to deal with you anymore and just leave it at that. It's easy to bring up that the D word divorce in an argument and say, well, forget it. You leave if you want to leave. I don't want to be with you because culture tells us that it's okay to leave. Culture tells us if we're not happy in our marriage then we should leave. And I'm here to tell you, you may want to listen to this. God's design for marriage was not for you to be happy. I said it. His design for marriage wasn't for you to be happy. Now, because we are God's image bearers, we are in his likeness, a product of of walking harmoniously with God's design can be happiness. But he didn't say when you get married, you're going to always be happy. (laughs) For the single folks out there. All right. So that's where we're going. If you'll pray with me as we jump into this, it'll be a big pill for all of us to swallow. Father God, we thank you. We praise you for who you are. God, I pray that we're able to see your design uh, for our serious relationships, for our marriage, wherever we are. God, I pray that you can prepare us for what's next. God, that you can take us through where we're already at to get over uh, the hurts, the frustrations, God, and allow you to teach us what it means to follow your design. God, we love you. We praise you. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So do me a favor, if you haven't already, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter five. We're going to start actually the text is 22 to 33, but we're going to start at chapter or verse 32. Uh, While you're reading through this, this is almost this conclusion to. The start of chapter five section, God told us, you know, we're supposed to be imitators of God. This is what Paul starts off chapter five saying. Then we get to this text. The reason we're starting at the end, because I want you to bear in mind, keep in mind what the purpose is of marriage. And so he tells us right here, this mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Well, what mystery is he talking about? The mystery he's talking about is marriage's purpose is to imitate, to emulate God's relationship with Jesus and Jesus' relationship with the church. Jesus' relationship with the church is the relationship with uh, me and my wife. The sacredness of the church is wed to the sacredness of marriage. Therefore, if I'm not walking in alignment with uh, my wife, I'm denying Christ and the church's relationship. This is a huge weight to carry on our shoulders when you think about it like that. Like my job as a husband is to mimic Christ. Your job as the wife is to mimic the church and be submissive and be obedient. And I know it's hard. It's going to be big pills. We're going to talk to each other on this. But watch what he says. He says, however, let one, let each one of you love his wife as himself and love the wife And let the wife see that she respects her husband. So this is it. This is the conclusion to all that he's written thus far. And we're going to hop into it. But I want you to really wrap your head around what Paul wants you to see. Husbands, love your wife. What is love? It's unconditional. No strings attached. It's funny we talk about sex being strings attached. This love that he's talking about is unconditional where if I don't receive it or if the love is not reciprocated, then I still give it. This is the kind of love he's talking about. Respect. Wives, he's telling you to walk in alignment with your husband. Be right behind him, even though you want to leave and think, ah, that's dumb. Why am I following you? He's saying you still got to respect, submit and follow. One of the things I want to encourage you, though, as we get through this is understanding that God enables what he commands. So for husbands, if God called you to love your wife, He will enable you, give you the strength to love your wife like he's called you to love your wife. For wives, if he's called you to submit, it is God's duty to give you the strength to submit. And so the picture that is painted is that if you are trying to wives, look at your husband and say, it is you that I'm submitting to. Then you will fail every time because it's a submission to God first before you can submit to him and for husbands. It is your, You can't love unconditionally if you're trying to love her in your own strength. You have to literally, physically, spiritually pull from Christ's supernatural power to supernaturally love your wife. Because the agape love is a supernatural love, and the only way you can supernaturally love someone is if the source you pull from is supernatural. And that's God. And so... The problem that may arise is that we can look at this text and we can see it as almost a checklist of looking at our spouse saying, well, you're not doing this. Well, you're not doing this. Well, I'm not going to do this if you don't do this. And you perpetuate this cycle in this circle of, well, if she don't, I won't. And since he won't, I don't. And it keeps going. Well, for me and my wife, well, if you're not going to ever wash the dishes, I'm not going to take out the trash. Small things. That turn to big things. Well, I want you to take out the trash, but I ain't going to tell you I want you to take out trash. I'm going to just see how long you wait to see how it stacks up. (laughs) Things like that happen. And so what what Paul is doing, he's giving us a description, not a checklist or or a prescription maybe of what a harmonious uh, marriage will look like. Right. To walk in alignment with God. And so we'll start at Ephesians chapter five. Now, now we're getting into it. Now, you know. The precedence that he has set upon you as a male, as a husband, as a wife in marriage. He says, wives, submit. Everyone say submit. Submit. That is a big pill for wives to swallow. Submit. Submit like you hear that and it just has this negative connotation. For some reason, it brings about this negative connotation. But one of the things we've learned is that in alignment uh, in a relationship with God the Father and God the Son, the Son delights in submitting to the Father, and so in reality, women—all the cool kids—are submitting, <laughs> right? The cool kids are doing it so you can do it. But He delights in it. Why? Because we know that's the order in the chaos. they understand it doesn't need to be two heads. Same thing in marriage: wives submit. I get it. Big pill to swallow. This submission doesn't mean that I'm less than that I'm inferior. Jesus is God. They're equal, but he submits. He delights in submitting. So women, Chris talked about last week that you were pulled out of the rib. Partners side to side were in the image of God. So therefore, you're not less than you're equal because you're in God's image. This isn't about invalidating who you are because you have to submit. If anything, it shows you how strong you are. To have that power to say, you know what, I'm going to trust you. But the thing about it, what does he say? He says, wives, submit, initiate. I mean, you have to do it willingly. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Oh, I get it, God. So what you're saying is my submission to my husband, me submitting, I draw strength from you. So your vertical relationship with God influences your horizontal relationship with your husband. And so if you're not horizontally feeling the submission, that means vertically something's going wrong. Something's not happening. And so this is a unilateral devotional response so that this way can happen. God, am I in alignment with what you're telling me to do? Because if I'm not, then those arguments will happen. Then I won't want to submit to my husband. Guys, don't worry. I'm coming to you next. I'm coming. He says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and himself is savior. This is for my fellas. Even though the first few scriptures is talking about the women for my fellas, I need to let you know you are not the woman's savior. You didn't bring them salvation. So don't get it twisted. What Paul is trying to say, Christ did it. He's showing his relationship for the church. Now your job is to emulate and imitate what he did in protecting and and keeping them safe. It's, job, it's Christ's job to do the sanctifying and making holy. It's your job to protect and lead and guide. But we have to understand that the order is on purpose. The order is on purpose. I remember uh, when Sierra and I first got married, a couple of weeks after we got married, the, the military sends me to school, about an eight-month school. And Sierra calls me. This is back in 2005 or six. I had just left as soon as we got married. Sierra calls me and she says, and we, I was 22 and she was 20. She just turned 20. She said, I can't be married. The weight of marriage just, she said, I can't do this. Can we go back to being engaged? I was like, what in the world? <laughs> I said, I don't go backwards. And we, I said, I cannot do it. I can't do it. And I'm, I'm in Georgia at the time. And she's back here in Austin. And I'm like, why? Wow. So what's going on? And we were trying to talk and we were fighting. And I was like, I'm not. If we aren't together, we aren't together. If we go back, then you gone. Again, I didn't have a understanding of what marriage was. I didn't know how to properly leave my wife at the time. And we had just got married two kids. We had never seen what it looked like. And so submission for her was a big thing. Being less than and feeling like I'm walking on her, walking over her and not loving her well not trusting in God. And this is what he's telling us. He said, I'm the savior. He said, when this happens, that happens. And so what can happen is women. One of the reasons submission is so hard is because of the curse, right? Because of the fall. And we talked a little, little bit about this. If he was in the, uh, the annual abandon, which the name is going to change. We have to put that in there. Every time you say it, uh, if he was there, we talked about like the fall women, your natural, what's natural for you is to want to take control, It's the one to be the head. I'm going to show you where this comes from. You can blame Eve for it. It's her fault. (laughs) Genesis chapter 3, verse 16 says, to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Parenting will be hard. It says, your desire, everyone say desire. Desire. If you're taking notes, you're writing anything down, you may want to highlight this. It says, your desire shall be for your husband. And here I am thinking when I read this all this time is that, "Ooh, she's going to love me good. Yes. That's her curse. That's what has to happen because it is. And this isn't what it's saying. We can't just read the Bible or a specific scripture, just a standalone scripture, because it's all it's all connected in this redemptive story of man. Right. It's all connected. Well, what does it mean? She will desire her husband if it doesn't mean she's going to love me and desire me. What does it mean? Well, where do we go for there? Well, we go to the next the very next chapter. The story of Cain and Abel, two brothers, right? Cain was messing up. And this is what God tells Cain. He says, you, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. Here's it. Here it is. It's desire is for you. Sin's desire. Sin wants authority. Sin wants to take control. So this desire women is that you would want to be the head. But man, the man, the husband was designed, God's design for him was to rule over you, to be the leader. It's hard sometimes. But the only way it happens is you're pulling from this supernatural source that is Jesus Christ. Right. That's where you pull from. That's where your strength comes to walk in alignment with God's purpose. Amen. Amen. You know, I grew up in the church. If you can't say amen, just say "Ouch." ouch. So for her, it's okay, Right. All right. Now hop back over. We're going to hop back over to Ephesians and continue on. It says now as the church submits. There's that word again to Christ. So also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Wives, you have to bring about this habitual practice of being a spirit filled wife. And it is not always easy. There's no strings attached in this sense where if he loves me. I submit. If he doesn't, I won't. That's not what the word says. So submit in everything, even when he's not right, submit. Even when he's not doing what he's supposed to do, submit. Even when you think the direction he is taking you is wrong, it says submit. You don't pull from strength from him. You pull from strength from God. That's what makes this work. Not you and your own strength, not him and his own strength, because he sure ain't strong enough. I can't do this by myself, but it's God. And so, again, if this ain't working, it's because this isn't at work and we're not looking to build this. We understand that wives, the way they recognize leadership, and this is what I've learned. And we're going to get to you guys. I'll say this. How about this? The wise place places herself under the husband to fulfill God's design. God's design is for the, the wife to be second, and in the sense of saying, I will put the needs of my husband first, his leadership, his whoever, I will put him first. And it's hard when you think about So I'm supposed to lessen myself to build him up. But it's part of the formula, and the order matters. There's purpose in it because God has a design, a specific purpose for it. And He's covering you providentially through your submission. You can watch and work from doing this. I remember when Sierra and I saw I come back and we moved to San Antonio because I had encouraged Sierra to go to college. She did not want to go to school. Mm-hmm. Again, I told you we've been our entire adult years. We've been together. I said, you need to go. You know, it'll be better for you for life. Just if anything happens, it's just a good foundation. She was like, well, I want to do design stuff. And so I don't think I should go. I don't need a college degree to do it. I said, I want you to go. And this was us back and forth for like months, even before we were married. And I was talking through this and eventually she submitted and said, okay, I will trust your leadership in this. And she went. And I will say, I've watched her grow in her giftings over the year to the point. I'm a brag on her. I didn't do this when we talked to the first service, but I'm a brag on her just a little bit because of that submission. Uh, if you, go to any Georgetown elementary school, the logos on every single Georgetown elementary school are Sierra's designs. Even the middle schools. Like, all of them. I was like, wow. This is something that we talked about that she didn't want to do. That God can bless and nurture when you're walking in alignment. I'm not saying that's everyone's story or anything, but, but submission, while it comes at a cost, it also is, is beautiful in to see what God can produce from that submission. Now, ladies, I'm done with you for now. Fellas, it's your turn. What I like is that he spent three scriptures on the women, about six, seven of them on us. So there's a reason for that. Right. Ladies, you can clap for that. (laughs) (laughs) Men, men, let's let's be real. God, if God's called you to be the head, if God's called you to emulate Christ, that means the weight has to be heavier. If you think submission is hard, then if, if we're if we're to operate and try to follow in Christ's footsteps, then it's probably going to be a little bit harder for us. Right. The way I, I. So I sent a text message out to like 30 people and asked the same question. I said, hey, how is uh, how do you when you think of this scripture? What does it make you think of submission and love and all this kind of stuff? And what I found out is that a lot of my friends are super holy and they had all the, the super holy answers. Right. They're like, oh, yeah, this just means submit. I don't see what the problem is with people in this word submission. If you do it the right way, all this good stuff, they said all this good stuff. I thought to myself, well, if it's so easy to define, then why isn't it easy to apply? (laughs) We know all the right answers and we know what to say, especially as fellas. But the do is hard. And so this is what he says. He says, husbands, love your wives. It's love where we say. it's agape and it's the type of love that is unconditional. Regardless if it is received or reciprocated, we still give it. We love out of obligation, which is reflective of our will of that man who we are following, Christ Jesus. And so I can only love my wife like Christ loved the church as if if I'm in vertical relationship with him. If you was here yesterday, we talked about face-to-face time with your spouse, where you're being intentional. That's date nights and uh, the different things where you're like, we're having these conversations, and, and maybe it's going to be about deep stuff. That's face-to-face time, and it's needed in marriage. Then we talked about shoulder-to-shoulder time, which is that time you spend where it's like, hey, let's go work out. Let's clean up. For me, it's more workout because I don't like to clean up. That's not shoulder-to-shoulder <laughs> for me. That was the lowest on mine. Uh, and then there's the back-to-back time. And this is important time because the back to back time, that's the time where the men build this relationship with Christ so that they can have their wives back. You get it like that. That part is important because if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, then this way can't happen between me and my wife. My her her submission is in response to my love. Like me loving her well means she will respond to submission easily. Right, Katie? That's what Katie told me. She said, oh, it's easy to submit if he's following. That was her churchy answer. (laughs) But it's easy to submit. It's easy to submit when you're submitting to someone who you see submitting to God. Because it's a mutual submission. Right? She submits to me. My wife submits to me. I submit to God. It's just this flow where I understand I'm leading her, but I'm being led by someone. And so it's easy for her to follow and submit when I'm loving her well, my loving, my lovingly leadership allows her to say, Oh, I'll submit. Because what happens, she submits by putting by saying, I will fall underneath my husband. And I say, No, 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 I got you. I'm gonna take care of you and put your knees first. She said, No, 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 I'm gonna submit. <laughs> and this cycle keeps going. And so the harmony of the, allowing the spirit to fuel. This relationship is what guides it, what strengthens it. And so she's able to push forward because she sees me pushing her forward. And I'm able to push forward because I see her wanting to make sure I'm in front. And that's the cycle almost to see who can love the hardest. I'm going to hug you. I'm going to love you. I'm getting off the phone first. No, you do it. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. I mean, I don't know if y'all still do that. I don't have to do it anymore because I see her every day. But we, we went through a season where we did that, where we fell asleep on the phone because no one wanted to hang up. <laughs> And that happens. That's what and think. to, In order to emulate that kind of love with my wife, I have to experience that kind of love with God. This can't happen if I'm not experiencing that with God. So husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself up that he might sanctify her. And this is, again, husbands, you do not sanctify your wife. Christ does that. And he's talking about how he sanctified the church. Now, it's your job to walk in those kind of footsteps that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with word. So that he might present. Everyone say present. Present. All right. So real quick with this word, one of the things we don't understand in our culture is this presenting a sacrifice (laughs) and what it means. So before I can walk in alignment with her. This back-to-back part that I was talking about, I have to be able to present myself to God. So what the priest would do before they could stand in, in, uh, on behalf of someone, pray for someone, do anything, they have to be right. So before I can stand on behalf of my wife, I have to be right with God. Uh, bring in this perfect sacrifice. That means there has to be some fasting and praying going on with this relationship before I can do it with this relationship. I can't love her well if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. This load that we carry, husbands, is designed to be heavy. It's designed to be heavier than the wives. So, yes, wives, I would gladly tell you that you should be glad with submitting. Not only do we have to submit this way, we have to love this way. And, and not to. I called Katie out, but one of the things she said at the end of the text when she sent it, she said, she has a stand, he has to stand before God, not me, on how he led how he re- was responsible and obligated towards the family. He has to do that. And so if he wasn't loving me well, I did my job. I was submitting. <laughs> she didn't say that, but, you know, <laughs> that's how I interpreted. it. <laughs> I did mine. Now, you do what you're supposed to do because, this, again, this is God's design for what marriage is supposed to look like. Not Joseph's design for me to say, Sierra, you didn't do this. You didn't do this. You didn't do this. No, it's not a checklist for her to check me or me to check her. It's a job description, a divine God description for what I'm supposed to be doing. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Verse 28 in the same way husband should. There it is. Love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. What I like about this is what it's telling me is that I treat my wife better than I would treat myself. Better than I would treat myself. I love my wife better than I would love myself. And one of the things when Paul wrote this that they didn't have to go in depth about was teaching you how to love yourself. It was assumed you loved yourself. It was assumed you would protect yourself. It was assumed you wanted your, you had your best interests in mind. And so if you're called to love your wife like yourself, and this love means that you're willing to sacrifice, you're willing to suffer, that means you're putting her first. You're putting her needs in front of your needs first. And so there should never be a time to where she doesn't feel loved because you're spending so much time with your boys or you say you're telling her, well, I can't do that. You know, you go do I don't care what you do. We don't say those things because our job isn't to make us happy and be happy. Again, we're not looking out for number one. The reality is she's ahead of us. I'm supposed to put her first. I'm supposed to care for her needs. What does it say? Verse 29 It says that for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherishes it. These two words remind me of taking care of a baby, nourish the baby, feed, provide, protect, make sure they can learn. Enable, enrich, encourage, build up. That's what husbands are supposed to do because that's what Christ does for the church. To cherish her lets her or makes her feel like she is wanted. Again, if this is broken, if you're saying she ain't acting right, the reality of it is you're not doing your part, husbands. And it may be a hard pill for you to swallow, but your submission to God. And your lovely leadership is what dictates almost the household, everything that goes on. I can tell you that my wife can come home angry or upset, and we can talk through it, especially since she's an external processor and I'm more internal. Let me come home upset and say something like, I'm good. I don't want to talk about it. And then she keeps talking. I said, I'm good. I don't want to talk about it. Just leave it alone. And then she keeps and then we end up getting an argument about me not sharing my feelings. And then now everything is gone. The kids are crying. Everybody's mad just because of my feelings and my headship and how I was leading. Men, mm-hmm. we dictate the, the atmosphere and the, the, how the house is supposed to be. We were designed to be in front. This is a, a, a baggage that we carry, but not with our own strength. Again. Vertical relationship with God, understanding that he has all the power, that he has all the strength. That's what we pull from. That's where we go. And so just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Fellas, love is initiated. Love is on purpose. There's order in how we love like Christ loved the church. And so what does he call us to do? Husbands, husbands. Sacrifice for their wives You sacrifice This sacrifice isn't easy. It wasn't supposed to be easy It's not supposed to make you happy every time I Told him this morning and I share with you all my wife loves to wear my clothes I do not like that. She likes to wear my clothes At all especially my shirts especially my jackets Just yesterday she said she said can I wear your jacket? No, I haven't worn it yet. That's my that's my Sunday jacket I said, you can wear this jacket. But what I realized in that, and then I went back to studying, God said, you wasn't loving your wife well, especially how you told her no. She said, it's just a jacket. It's not just a jacket. It's my jacket. Sometimes I'll go in, I'll put on one of her shirts just to try to make her mad. And she'll say, that's fine. I'm like, this ain't fine. I can't even take this stuff. She can't even wear it after I put on one of her shirts. But the reality of it is what I what I've realized, even in the small things that turn to big things, is that in those small things, I could have changed how I was thinking. I could have changed the way I was going. I could have shifted my mindset about it. I could have loved my wife a little bit better. It is just the jacket. It is just a shirt. My wife is, is something that God has gifted me to lead, to protect, to guide, to hold, to cherish, to nourish, to build up. And so when I'm not doing that, I'm walking out of alignment. I'm distorting God's design for my marriage, for marriage. I'm distorting and and painting this picture of Christ and the church not being, I'm denying what it looks like when I do that. We are. Almost done. Look at verse 31. And this is it. This is where we've been for the last few weeks, this text is, comes from Genesis again. Again, it says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast. Everyone say hold fast. Hold fast. All that's saying is that he should be under compulsion. He should feel obligated to do this. This is a thing that happens daily, every day. Hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. I get it. Culture says to us that no one is in charge. Our flesh tells us that we are in charge. God says, I am. He said, you follow my lead. I don't follow yours. You can't do what you want to do. You can't do it how you want to do it. You do what I want you to do. And when you do it how I want you to do, I will show you and reveal to you how to love your wife. I will show and reveal how to submit to your husband. I will. And so God designed husbands and wives to be one flesh. What does this one flesh mean? Becoming literally one. Meaning, when she hurts, I hurt. If she has a problem, then I should have a problem. When I'm going through, she should go through. When I'm struggling with something, she should feel me and she should struggle me with something. If she's uneasy about something, I will be uneasy about something. Remember, th- th- again, th- when you think about this series and the sex and the different, this is why the strings are attached. We're we're not just connecting physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. We're connecting on so many different levels because we are married, because that was God's design for marriage. And so, husbands, if you haven't taken care of your business with God spiritually, guess what that means? That means your wife will hurt. If you're not handling your spiritual job, this stuff, it affects this stuff. And so, until you get this right, this will always be affected. The arguments will continue to happen. The hurt will continue to happen. So, allowing God to be the motivator, allowing God to be the push, allowing God to be the strength, that's how you get to the one flesh. Because God died to devote the church to himself. Or when Jesus died, he devoted the church to himself permanently. That's what marriage is it's a permanent solution. We are the image bearers of who God is. We are. And so my question for you today is this. Will you submit to God's design for your marriage? Will you submit to this unilateral duty to follow in alignment for God's design for marriage? It's not hard. It's not always an easy pill to swallow. But it does get easier. You do get those opportunities to to take those small things and leave them small. Guys, that means sometimes you have to sacrifice because that's your job. Women, that means sometimes you have to follow his dumb decisions because that's your job. And it's not about telling someone else like my wife's job isn't telling me how to do my job, but understanding that as my partner, she has my best interest in mind. So as a good leader, I should listen to this person who has my best interest in mind, just like she should listen to me. Because, again, we're mutually pushing each other forward in our specific job descriptions that God has called us to. Hers is to submit. Allow me to lead. Mine is to love her with a kind of love that reflects Christ's love for the church. One that's willing to die for her daily. One that's willing to provide, to Make sure that her best interest is always in mine. This is, my marriage isn't about me. My marriage by no means is about, isn't about me, but about God. About what Christ did on the cross. Think about it. Just as God said, it is not good for man to be alone. He also said, it is not good for Christ to be alone. So when man was alone, he pulled from his rib made woman in the garden. For us Christ was pierced in his side and on that grave the church is birthed us. We are the church. As so we prepare our hearts and minds for communion thinking about this thinking about this love while we were yet sinners he still died. That Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith, with the joy set before him, he still endured the cross. He knew he was going to hurt. He knew he was going to die. He still did it. He still allowed his body to be broken. He did. For me, for you. He still allowed his blood to be shed for you and I. Knowing that we wouldn't get it right. This week has been challenging because every time I even think about getting loud with my wife, I think, am I loving her like Christ loves me, like Christ loves the church? Am I emulating the love he has for the church? Every single time, that's the way for us. Every single thing we do in our marriage, that's the way. Am I doing what Christ, am I imitating him? That's my challenge will you walk in alignment with that? God's designing, so we're going to take a few moments right where you at, bow your heads, pray, husbands, wives, single, engaged, wherever you are. I want you to ask for forgiveness for what you've been through and just take this time to really, really say God, I need you. I need you to do what only you can do.